Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that this world has to offer. Black History Month may be coming to an end, but we've got a real good one this week to close it out. The good times keep on coming as we put the amazing good times up against Family Matters. Steve Urkel, where have you been my entire life? And for the main event, you're home to Bel Air. We'll be taking a special look at the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, starring some bloke called Will Smith. You ever heard of him? Nah, I didn't think so. So maybe you want to listen to this podcast this week. And without further ado, let's get started. And joining me as ever is producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm very well, thanks. Sad that Black History Month is coming to an end, but... It is sad, but we have a cracking episode today. Some really good TV shows to be talking about. I think all three of these programs could be specials and standalone on, in their own in their right own, in their own right really i agree uh but i think that that being said i don't think you can quite put the fr- the, the fresh prince of bel-air with anything else right you could you could never put that again you know what i think you can and we'll probably get into why in a bit why we'll get onto why abdul is a hater I'm after this a hey <laughs> Oh, stop it. We'll, uh, we'll start with uh, good times. So we're going back to February of 1974. So now the things that were happening, you had the US House of Representatives determining grounds for impeachment for President Richard Nixon. So this was after That's quite Watergate a... and... Uh, I am not a crook. I am not a crook. <laughs> It's quite a timely thing that we're talking about impeachment. Uh, what, uh, American president <laughs> impeachment inquiry. <laughs> I know. Sure know how to pick them, don't I? The UK Prime Minister Edward Heath calls for a snap general election in the midst of the protracted miners' strike. And in Russia, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a, a Russian novelist, historian and dissident, was deported from the Soviet Union to... Frankfurt, West Germany, and was stripped of his Soviet citizenship. I stayed in a really nice hotel in Frankfurt a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Good stuff. Uh, Blazing Saddles was in the cinemas, and uh, Tiger Feet by Mud were number one in the charts in February 1974. So let's go on to good times now. So this was television's first African-American two-parent family sitcom. So Good Times was a spin-off of Maud, which was itself a spin-off of All in the Family. So Good Times is basically Florida and James Evans, and their three children was JJ, Michael, and Thelma. And they live in a housing project in a pretty poor black neighborhood in inner city Chicago. And it may have been unnamed the projects, but it's implicitly the infamous Cabrini Green projects. So it's basically uh, a play on or kind of based on those kind of projects that you tend to find in most inner city places uh, in America. 
And obviously the episodes of Good Times is just mainly about how characters are attempting to overcome poverty. Obviously they're living in the high-rise building project in Chicago. The uh, the patriarch of the house, James Evans, is always working more than one job. He's um does like mostly manual labor stuff, so like construction. And he always finds himself in between jobs and he's always like i don't want to accept charity i don't want to accept money i'm always i always want to try and uh work hard so that i can provide for my family and he's always he's a trier bless him and he's always trying to do things that's for the betterment of his family and james evans was played by the uh the brilliant john amos who for some of you might may or may not know he was uh an older version of Kunta Kinte in the uh, the Roots. Do you mean Toby? Or <laughs> trust you, trust you to know that Toby. <laughs> so I, I couldn't help that one. I had of to... course you couldn't. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm have to take back one of the uh, cookout invites that I gave <laughs> you. You're now down to one. You better hang on to that real tight. I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah tell me what you thought about good times because i know you said that you watched a, a fair few yeah i actually managed to watch a fair few of these episodes and but you were talking about the patriarch and the yeah kind of big uh male role model kind of thing and mm-hmm. i didn't even know he existed because i watched series six instead of the early series well it would have behooved you to at least watch one or two episodes from like season one to... No, but the thing is, okay, so here's what happened. I didn't realize at first what... Uh, because I watched the first episode of series six of the link that you sent me. And then um, then I realized it was series six. But the problem was... Did I, was I send it... you series six? I swear I sent you one. I can show you on, on now if you want. <laughs> but it came... Pulling out the receipts, are we? <laughs> this out. is what you sent me. Um, but it came up, so it came up with series six, and and I could have worked out probably how to get to series one, but the problem was I was enjoying series six so much, and mm. I didn't feel like it was um, like I needed to kind of go back and obviously I did because I didn't even know that guy existed, but um, but I didn't think a I'd, whole main character didn't know you existed. Yeah, no, exactly. But what I, I I was enjoying it so much I didn't feel like I and I kind of was getting to know the characters that well that I didn't feel like I needed to go back and watch. The, the this first series to see how it all kind of came together yeah um so i was watching um one where thelma gets married right i've forgotten her fella's name um and jj's paying for it and he's like because he's kind of taken on the role as the uh the provider of the family yeah. and you know the kind of the head of the household mm-hmm. um and um, I think the mum's out of the picture in this one, and I don't know why, but she... I think she was in Tucson, Arizona with her new husband, Carl. Yeah. So she was out there for like ages and ages and ages, and even at one point had offered the, the kids to to come. come to Arizona, but they were like, no, we want to stay in Chicago, because I think they were like, we need to finish school, we want to... Yeah. I've got a job. I think JJ was like, I've got a job, and Thelma was like, I want to finish school, and Michael was the same. Yeah, exactly. So he had a good he had a good job actually, JJ. When that's why he was kind of taking on yeah. the thing, and he was quite flush. And um, 
anyway, the mum, so the mum arrives and it's kind of a big thing. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize it. Cause I, 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 yeah, Florida. Cause that happens in the first episode and I didn't realize I was in the thing. Yeah. And the kind, you know, when like, it happens in a lot of like uh, these kind of sitcom things where the crowd goes crazy. Like yeah. the, the sitting audience kind Whee! of, and I'm like, <laughs> I just felt like I was clapping yeah. <laughs> along with just, but I didn't know who it was. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, because I don't want to kind of ruin the episode rundown that you're going to do a bit later. But oh, I thought, right. but it was because um, it's just like the it's a four parter, four part. Yeah, where Thelma gets married. So yeah, it's kind of like a where's Thelma? Oh, she's out with this guy, and then he comes in and he kind of asks to marry her. And he's a football, like American football player. Yeah, and he he says something, but I've forgotten what it was. I was going to ask you what it was because obviously you know everything about. Um. American football well you know but I, I do what I do what I do what I do but I can't remember what he said what he said now he he, made, he had a reference and I couldn't remember what it was what he was talking about um, but anyway so he they kind of there's like a three part episode of uh, them getting married JJ said I'll pay for everything and then he ends up losing his job and it wasn't like he did a bad job because his boss was saying he did a really good job. He actually was a uh, pioneer in this particular campaign. I think he's an advertising manager or yeah, something like that. Yeah, And he did really well in this campaign. And then he's, and you see his boss talking to his boss saying, yeah, but why are we going to have to fire him? And it's just a case of first in, first, sorry, last in, first out. Last hired, first, no, first, last hired, first, first fired. Yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I've had that done to me oh really yeah that's rubbish when i was um in uh preston in preston yeah so this is when i was working there and obviously i was kind of fresh and new and then my boss who i won't name but he was just like yeah we're gonna have to let you go that's and obviously rubbish. i was the fresh new kid uh, packed up my whole life and everything and then Grand opening, grand closing. So I know, I know about that. You whole, know how that feels. Yeah. So uh, he ends up taking a loan out to pay, um, to pay for the wedding, but it wasn't like a regular loan. It's kind of a loan shark. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't really see how that got resolved because uh, I don't think they did kind of resolve it at the end. But um, anyway, during the wedding, uh, JJ wants to take a picture. And he's kind of laying on the floor. And then, um, oh, and so Thelma's uh, fellow is like this American fo- hot shot American football player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ends up tripping over JJ and breaking his leg. And then he uh, loses, kind of loses all his <laughs> prospects and stuff like that. Um, oh, no. But that, that's kind of explained in the next episode where it's their one year anniversary. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's what I remember from... I mean, if we talk about, before I talk about the episodes, JJ really annoyed me. I found him really annoying. I found JJ absolutely hilarious. He sounded like, uh, who did he sound like? Like maybe Chris Tucker, maybe? Hold on, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Chris Tucker he sounded like. Um, but I looked at his credentials on uh, IMDb. Mm-hmm. He he hadn't done a, a great deal apart from that. And I thought he was really funny, really good character. But he didn't seem to do too much after that. He, I think he was in Airplane, which I haven't seen, but I really want to see. Film or? Yeah. Uh, but he didn't really do a lot after that. Did he not? No. Well, that's interesting. No, but I found his character super annoying. 
I I did like Michael though because he was all like pro black and very like all into like the whole Malcolm X and all yeah. that all all that stuff. And I think they had a nickname for him. They used to call him. I think it was like militant Michael or something like the way he always used to be like, you know, oh, I can't believe that this library doesn't have this and this and they don't have certain books and and what have you. And so he kind of had that nickname and kind of had that way about him, which I thought, yeah, he's right off my street. And yeah, I, I, I also liked the neighbor, Janet. Janet. Oh, no, not Janet. Sorry. Wilona. But her name is like Jeanette Dubois. Yeah. That's where I got the Janet from. Sorry. Yeah. Wilona, the neighbor. So she's always kind of like popping in, checking in on them and always just like being around and whatnot. And then you had the uh, the janitor, Bookman, who they used to call Buffalo Butt, which is like his uh, nickname. So there's was like something. Is he the one that always eats? No, he's like the janitor and he's obviously quite portly. A large, he's a large brother. He's a large brother. And so that's why they all call him like Buffalo Butt. And then later on, we have a, a young Janet Jackson. Yeah, in, I can believe uh, it. In the program. She was uh, Penny. Or her name was Millicent. So Tiny Millie, Tiny Cent. And then I think she kind of explains it in the uh, the in the episode that she kind of appears on. And obviously she was in a, as a kind of an introduction was, was in a really powerful storyline. So we'll, yeah. uh, we'll probably get to that in a, in a bit, but like obviously with, um, with good times, I think it kind of starts with the fact that James, he's excited cause he's thinking, Oh, I'm going to get a, a really well-paid job. You know, I won't have to struggle anymore. My family won't have to struggle, but in the interview, he realizes that he's too old. And obviously they're like, look, you know, this is the rules. You can't have this job because you're 41 and we need people who are 35. And so the family are getting all excited. They're all like, oh, we don't have to eat oatmeal anymore. We don't have to struggle on the borderline and things like that. And so they're all getting super, super excited. But he kind of comes back home and he's just like, you know what? I can't. I didn't get the job because I'm, I'm too old, and they were using like the money that they had saved for the rent to like buy champagne to like buy all this stuff. And I remember, oh God, what was the line he said? I think he was saying that, oh, a white man can be a mechanic, but a black man has to be a handyman because he has to be able to do everything. Just just to get like half of a job. So I kind of found that that line to be like really, really interesting. And he was just like, I'm sick and tired of struggling. I'm overqualified. I did everything. Again, this is something that I can so relate to because it's like, I've done everything you've asked me to. I've, I'm overqualified. I've done all of your aptitude tests. I've done all of your competency tests and I've jumped over every conceivable hurdle that you've thrown my way. And then still, that's not enough somehow. Cause what? I'm I'm too old? Like what 
what else do you want me to literally do? And obviously the the white guy is like, oh well, it's government rules. Sorry, we can't we can't change it. We can't we can't give you the job. So with James, that was always kind of the theme where he's always in between jobs, kind of doing odd jobs here and there, trying to make ends meet. And it was just, yeah, just that that frustration, which probably can be felt by a lot of black men at the time, maybe even now. Maybe even, maybe even now. Yeah, like it's 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 one of those relatable things where you're struggling and you're 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 trying to make ends meet, but you can't because there's always a hurdle. There's always someone who's moving the goalposts. In fact, they're moving the goalposts so far. You're thinking, is this is this the same sport? Yeah. Where goalposts don't exist. And again, this was something that I could relate to just so many times. You you're going for interviews for a job. You're thinking, right, this is the one. This is this is this is going to be it. But you're lucky you even got an interview. Did you see that uh, study where they sent the same CV with a different name on it? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about doing that. And one kind of different name. So many times. Yeah, and then the the person with like a normal with the white name. Yeah. Yeah, the white name, and then uh, one with like a different name. Yeah, ethnic sounding name. Yeah. Um, just. Would always fall by the wayside. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. And I, I always felt that 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 was yeah, because my name is very it's very ethnic. It's you like, can't hide it, right? No, not if I can I can I can be abs as much as I like, but at the end of the day, I'm Abdullah Molim, so I can't hide from that. But yeah, that was um, an episode, and and just the thing that always and there's always like episodes where they're just scrambling to come up with the rent money. Yeah. So there's an episode where they need $74 to pay the rent. And then James goes down to hustle money and they're all just like struggling to just pay the money. And then I think Florida is going to like the welfare office. And obviously James is like, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go to the welfare office. I don't want you to beg strangers for money. Like I, I'm, I'm a proud man and I want, that pride to to remain and always be always be the case and uh, another kind of episode that really caught my eye was florida flips so basically florida's behaving really really weird she's just in a foul mood with everybody and we kind of learn it's because she's unsatisfied with life because obviously she's a housewife all she does is cooks, all she does is cleans, all she does is making sure the house is always run and making sure that there's always food on the table for the husband and the kids. And obviously, James is kind of like, you need to pull yourself together. Why are you acting like this? Why, why, why are you unhappy? Why are you unhappy with, with, with the kids? Why are you unhappy with me? Like, what have I, what have I done wrong? And she's like, I'm not unhappy with you. It's just, I want more out of life. I want to be able to go out and and explore the world. I feel like the world is leaving me behind and I don't want the world to leave me behind. I want to I wanna be a part of what's going on in the world. I want to be a part of all of the change and the development in 1975 or whatever, whatever year it was. And 
again, this was something that's just really insane because you're watching it and the way he's talking, it's unheard of for us. Like you would never hear a man nowadays, maybe you would in some cases, but for most cases you would never hear, like obviously if a wife wants to go out and work, nowadays it's like she's going to go out and work. It's fine. There's it's, 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 it's nothing to it. But obviously 40 years ago, the obviously there was the the structure or the family structure was always husband goes out brings home the bacon so to speak and think, the wife is cooking it i think that, i think there's um you touched on a really interesting point because um this is something i've been thinking about for a while is that um obviously the uh the kind of family structure is a little bit more fluid than it ever has been yeah but i don't think um there's still not as much freedom as you think there is now. So mm, yeah, the, that's what I'm so saying. Yeah. There's a lot of freedom. You say you think there's a lot of freedom in as much as um, now that women are a lot more present in the workplace. They're a lot more present in different areas in in the in public life in general. However, there's a lot of people that have no choice about that. Yeah. So you think that oh, it's great, and we're really progressive, and this and that and the other. But there's loads of people where um, women have just had children and they're back to work in a few months' time mm. because they have no choice but to be like a um, uh, what's the word for it? But like where both both parents work, yeah, working mums. So. Yeah, so you don't have, but you don't have a choice about it. So you have the the dads that normally before it'd be like the you could have one kind of breadwinner yeah. in a household, yeah, where the you know oh, historically the dad would go out and make the money and mum can look after the family and the kids and things like that. Right. Now, yeah, we have women in the workplace, but they don't have a choice about that because the rents are too high, the cost of living's too high mm. and they have to do it for to survive. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's not kind yeah, of a choice yeah. where, yeah. oh great, I can go to work if I want. It's like, no, you have to go to work because we're going to be on the street. Yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, in, in, in this kind of case, it was kind of like, he was like, oh, don't talk to me like that woman. Get, Dinner ready. Pull yourself together. If I even stop feeling upset. If I started to talk like that, I think I'd be in my grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like um the the interesting thing about all of that was it was just I'm watching it and I'm like, whoa! Like, why are you talking like that? But who knows what they were thinking back in 1974, 1975, maybe they were just watching that and it's kind of like, yeah, he's got a point, man. You shouldn't be thinking about going out and working. Who's going to cook dinner? Who's going to clean the house? Who's going to scrub the toilets? And all this stuff. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, she's feeling really frustrated and disillusioned and she's basically telling James, I don't want to walk behind you or ahead of you, I want to walk side by side with you. Yeah. Can't you see that? Can't you understand that? And when, when, when she put it, when she puts it like that, it's, you don't, you don't want to kind of be ahead or behind or whatever. It's, it's, it's an equal thing. Yeah. We're a partnership. Like we have to bounce off each other and, 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 and there needs to be a, a dynamic between us. And so, yeah, I, I, I really liked that. I really thought that they, again, they did this really, really well. And uh, 
season four kind of begins really dramatically. So basically, James gets a job working in a, a car mechanic in Mississippi. And so this is, I think, where the family originally came from. So they're going back south. They're going back home to uh, Mississippi. And basically, the whole two episodes, it's just them getting ready. They, they're getting ready to... Um, getting ready to move to Mississippi. They're packing all their things. They're getting ready because James, he went, he went ahead to, to kind of set it up. And he was like, right, you guys can come now. We're all, we're all ready to go. And they're basically having a party and they're all celebrating and they're saying, oh, we're going to miss you guys so much and, and all that stuff. And then, they, and then towards the end of the episode, they got all these telegrams in their hands and they're all just reading all the messages that people are saying, oh, good luck in Mississippi, good luck in Mississippi. And then they get one. And in that one, it says, we're sorry to report that your husband, James Evans, has been killed in a motor accident. And that's how the episode ends. Wow. And all I'm thinking is, couldn't you guys pick up a phone? And call. Why are you sending a telegram? Okay, it's 1970. So this is the fourth season. It might be 1978, but... Did they have a telephone? Yeah. They had a telephone. But yeah, obviously, because yeah, they're, they're a poor, poor family, so it might not be the case where they have a telephone. But yeah, okay, 1977, 1978. But in, in this, I just thought that was a really rubbish way of... It is, but I think in this world now that we live in, it's unfathomable that you wouldn't know within minutes of someone dying. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're halfway across the world. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, if any of one of your family members, heaven forbid, passed away, you would know within minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just find it really, really rubbish that this is like her husband of, God knows how many years and she's finding out in front of everybody in the party. I'd like to know if it had a second class stamp on it. I don't know. Like, because it, it was a telegram, so it was just yeah. sent in the post or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, we were sorry or whatever we get to inform you that your husband, James Evans, was killed in a motor accident. But it's strange because you would expect even um, the police would talk to the, you know, interstate yeah. police would talk to each other, right? Yeah, so you get yeah, like, a, yeah. I don't know, Mississippi police and the Chicago police. Then yeah. you get a family liaison will come over. Surely that would still be the case in those times. That's what I thought. Not Maybe. receiving it on some crummy bit of paper. Mm. And then obviously, yeah, this was a two-parter. So the second part was just the funeral and yeah. they're all grieving in their own separate ways. But like Florida, she's all kind of like, oh, hey, everybody. I hope everyone's having a good time at the funeral. I hope everybody's all singing and laughing and whatnot. And the kind of running theme was that everybody would be sending a, a ham. ham. So I think it's tradition that when someone passes away, you send a ham to the widow. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> Do you know, what, you know what I remember in The Simpsons? Where, you know, Hover, he, <laughs> he has a heart attack and... Uh, like, basically, you see that like, home soul, like, floating. And then Mr. Burns is like, oh, I think this man is dead. Send a hand to the widow. 
And then Homer's soul's like, mmm, ham. <laughs> and then the soul just goes back to the body and he wakes up and it's really like, oh, oh, he's alive, sir. And then and Mr. Burns like, oh, cancel the ham. And then Homer's like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I just, just thought of that right now. But um, I mean, but yeah, I think it is a tradition that you send the ham to the widow. In what culture? I don't know. Just some culture. Just uh, maybe it's an, maybe it's an American thing. Yeah. You've never heard of that in the UK ever. No, I mean we obviously we have a wake. Yeah. Uh, but, but like literally everybody was walking in going, "Oh, Florida dear, I bought you some ham." But and I they're think, like just walking in with like this thing, and they're like all walking. I think it might be an American thing. But, but I think it's weird because in like a, in our culture, it's kind of like a you have a funeral, you have a wake, and people kind of you know they send a condolences some flowers or whatever yeah. and um i think it might be an american thing then yeah i mean but we don't even american listeners is it is it true mm-hmm. stop this is a serious uh, uh subject matter about mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's interesting yeah like you've never yeah like you've never heard of it i'd never heard of it until i just thought of the simpsons and i just thought maybe it might be a thing where you send a ham to a widow who's lost her husband. But anyway, yeah, this episode is just them just stocking up all this ham in the fridge. And every time the kids are going, mom, are you okay? And they're trying to like give her a hug or like just pat her on the back. She's just like, just going like that, shrugging it off. The friend, Willola tries to do it and then she shrugs it off. And then when everybody's gone and she's just trying to clean up, she just, smashes a plate and she's like damn 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 and she just bursts out crying this is probably like one of the most famous iconic scenes in all of television it's just breaks down in tears it's just it's so iconic it's so memorable it's just when you think of good times you just think of that one scene i just thought it was brilliantly done it's just shows the the nature and the and the pattern of, of, of grieving because she thinks, oh, I need to be strong for my kids. I need to be, I need to put up a, a brave face. Maybe in it's kind of like in the British sense of the stiff upper lip. Yeah, yeah. Where you don't cry in front of people. You, you, you keep it inside and, and you don't let anybody see that you're, you're hurting and you're, and that you're grieving. But yeah, there's think- only so much that you can, that you can bottle up. And as we saw in the end of that episode, she just completely freaks out. And yeah, like I said, this is like, damn, damn, damn. And just bursts out crying. And that's, it's one of those unforgettable moments in in not just black TV, but TV in in general. Yeah. I think one thing you have to understand is when, when someone's husband passes away, often they're just like, um, especially if they have kids and stuff like that. You've got the kids and oh, I said dad and that's just mum and dad kind of thing. And, you know, they're the parents. But yeah. you have to understand that, um, I know we're talking about fiction, but, you know, they met... Yeah, it's obviously based on... Yeah, they met each other, right? They met each other, they fell in love and they did the built whole dating thing. They built a life. Kids. And then they had kids and the kids come along and everything else. You know what I mean, there's so much more that goes on um, between the, the parents. And often, often like people... I think forget about the, you know the 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 spouse and 
you know, they're not thinking necessarily of them as a uh, uh, a partner and a, and a lover of this person. It's more of just like a parent. But there's so much more that they have going on, which is obviously shown quite well in this episode. Yeah. No, but that's, yeah, that was a really powerful episode, really strong, really well acted and thought it was very, very yeah. well done. And then now going on to season five, we meet Penny, Penny Gordon or a young Janet Jackson. And so she's just basically living in the building. She's a... Uh, takes a liking to um to JJ and they find that she's got all these kind of scars and and bruises and what we kind of do is that we find out that her mum is just basically beating her black and blue there was actually a, a scene it makes you so angry and infuriating it's kind of like she goes into the house and she was like so where were you penny and she was like, oh, I went out and whatnot. She was like, you disobeyed me, didn't you, Penny? You know what happens when you disobey me? And she has like an iron in her hand. And obviously that I don't think brutal. they okay. show what happens, but you're just like, holy moly. Like she's not about to do what you think she's going to do. Yeah. And then she goes to the, uh, the Evans house and she's got like this thing on her arm. And it looks like she may have broken her arm. And so um, Malona takes her to the hospital and she's like to the doctor, look, she's been beaten up by her mum. It looks like she may have a broken arm. She's got all these bruises on her back, but the doctor's like shrugging, well, not shrugging his shoulder, but he's like, unless you can prove that the mum is doing this, there's really nothing I can do. Yeah. Like her arm's not broken. It's just a little fracture. All these bruises can be because she fell over, just like she was saying, because obviously she doesn't want to grass her mum up. And then the mum is like, oh, how dare you get involved in my business? What's the matter with you and all this stuff? And then she runs away. So the mum runs away with Penny and they try to run away, but Penny gets away from the mum and she's hiding in the house. And so Wilona and all the Wilona and JJ, they call social services. And so social services try to investigate. And then Wilona's like, you know what? I want to adopt her. I want to adopt this girl and I, I want her to be my daughter. And so she has to go through the, the tests and the whole rigors of it. And then basically the, the, the janitor. So he basically tries to get involved and he's basically saying to the social lady, like, look, she's my wife. Because obviously I think at the time it's mad because they were like, if you're single, it might work against you. Yeah. Obviously they're, they're thinking the kid needs two parents, a mom and a dad, secure household. And obviously times then were, were hella different. And the social worker finds out that Bookman isn't married to... Wilona and Wilona's like look at what you've done you may have ruined my chances what's the matter with you and so they it kind of ends with Bookman going to the social worker going look I'm really sorry but 
I lied. I, I thought it might help with the adoption and things like that. But in the end, it all kind of works out and Penny gets adopted and she gets as far away as possible from her horrible mum and obviously becomes part of the whole setup and the whole mob. So that's a, a nice happy ending. And then I think the, the last episode of Good Times... So JJ gets an offer from a comic company and Keith was the uh, the husband. So his knee gets better and gets offered another contract. And basically they all move into a house and Keith and Thelma offer Florida to move in. And yeah, Thelma is pregnant and she basically tells the family. Yeah, I watched that episode and... Um, also the comic book character that um, JJ sells is of Thelma oh. so in the whole episode he's dressed up as himself uh, yeah. dressed up as um, what's he called himself Dino guy yeah um, and he can't sell this character and no one wants it and then he ends up selling his selling his character making some money and things like that and um, they did a kind of big thing about how he kind of idolizes his sister and things um, and yeah, he makes a successful comic book character of Thelma. Yeah. He's kind of kind of Wonder Woman-esque person. Oh. Yeah, so that was that was good times. Oh, just very, very good. Absolutely. Yeah, I I really did enjoy the good times. I thought um, it was outstanding. Was it called just good times, right? It's Not just good, good times. times right? it's, no, it's just keeps, called good times. I keep saying the good times. It's, uh, <laughs> um, no, yeah, just called good times. But no, that was a oh, fantastic show. So now let's go on to another fantastic show. And this time it's Family Matters. So we're going to go to September of 1989. And so things that were happening, you had Archbishop Desmond Tutu leading the biggest anti-apartheid protest march in South Africa. And in Burkina Faso, you had a failed military coup d'etat that was planned by... uh, Jean-Baptiste Bukhari Lingani and Henry Zongo. So they were basically trying to overthrow the president, Blaise Compaore. I didn't say that right. But they failed and were pretty swiftly dealt with. I have to say, like, if you did a... If you staged a coup and it went wrong... <laughs> that Wee. would just be the worst thing ever it's literally come at the king and don't miss <laughs> exactly and, if, it's like, oh, and, and did I say I, I wanted was, to take over I, what I meant was I was reading about this and these two spent forever planning this it wasn't like something that they just thought oh you know what? we're going to wake up one day and try and overtake the president yeah. but I think they they, they try to plan it but Unfortunately for them, it didn't end as well, and they were both executed. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Black Rain was the highest grossing movie, and uh, Janet Jackson again. So this was when Rhythm Nation was released, so her album Rhythm Nation was released. Probably her greatest album, I think. Um, I'd have to agree with you, because I've never heard it. (laughs) I thought he was about to... Tell me that you was a big Janet Jackson fan, and um, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I don't really music isn't my thing. I'll listen to a music track and I'll download it and I'll love it, and mm. um, that's as much as my music kind of knowledge like, goes. 
Oh, that sounds good, Download. Prime Janet Jackson was incredible. Yeah. Probably better than any female singer that you've had today. I don't think they could touch Janet Jackson in her prime. It's just a shame that Justin Timberlake sold her down the river and uh, no pun intended. But uh, I was yeah. looking for one. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that's uh, another day, another podcast. Family Matters. And so this was actually, again, a spin-off of Perfect Strangers. And so Family Matters was revolved around the Winslow family. They were basically a middle-class black family, again, based in uh, Chicago, Illinois. The, the theme song was As Days Go By, performed by Jesse Frederick. But originally it was, as you could hear in the background, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. So that was the theme song for the first five episodes. And then after that was the As Days Go By. There's a family. Na, 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 na. So, at, yeah. the, at the end, when it says family, I always just want to put matters on the end of it. Don't you think? Well, do you know when they're kind of... But the family. You just want to say matters, right? Oh, it's fine. I, I think it's fine. Try listening to it now without putting matters on the end of it. Easily, easily. <laughs> I, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't pay it no mind. So, uh, I've lost my train <laughs> thought now. And so, yeah, fam- family matters. So this was uh, actually part of the uh, the ABC's TGIF lineup. So I think TGIF was like a a programming block. It's kind of like our CBBC or kind of like our CITV or whatnot. And uh, from 1989 to 1997. Family Matters was kind of like a mainstay. Again, this was probably like one of the most memorable and iconic sitcoms or black sitcoms of all time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I again, this is a program that I really, really enjoyed. And as I said in the intro, Steve Quincy Urkel, where have you been my entire life? I just thought he was fun he's just so good did you watch this before um never before, before this never never research never so obviously again for uk listeners who are probably like who the bloody hell is urkel and yeah. american listeners are probably going oh yes of course urkel 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 like he's like one of the most you can't talk about old school programs you can't talk about old school sitcoms you can't talk about anything television related in the past without mentioning steve urkel did you watch it oh sorry not did you watch it did it air here probably but again it's it's one of those things kind of flew under the radar oh yeah so urkel um for people that don't know uh reminded me of uh the 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 chap from home alone the one that wets the bed fuller fuller yeah, so he reminds me, it's got kind of the same geeky vibe, the same big, massive yeah. red glasses. Yeah, Yeah, and... The same, like, squeaking voice. So you, Did I do that? So you liked him. I thought he was irritating. I love Urkel. He's just out... He's just so brilliant. Oh, Laura, I pulled my eye. He just plays this hopeless... Uh, geeky but that's the guy beauty of Urkel that's the beauty of him I, I didn't find it beautiful I find it incredibly annoying <laughs> how could you find it and he like he, he gets up to all sorts and like his famous line was 
did I do that? Even when he burnt the burnt the place down. Yeah. It? And he's looking around. <gasps> I'm so sorry, sir. I didn't mean to burn it down. I just, I just I'm I found I was just laughing at everything he says, everything he does, the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he's like lusting over Laura. Uh, he uh, he genuinely fancies her, and uh, he's he's brilliant. Like he so much so, like obviously the you look at the the actual show, and you got obviously Carlton, and then you got Harriet, so mum and dad. Yeah, you got Eddie, who's like the oldest. You got Laura, and then you got Rachel, and she's got a little kid, and they live with uh, Rachel is Harriet's sister. Yeah, and she's a, a widower, so her husband passes away. Oh and then yeah, she moves so that's in, why and she's moved in. You've got. Mother Winslow, who's Carl's mum, and she lives yeah. the house as well. And so, yeah, you kind of have that whole family, but they get totally overshadowed by this one character. Yeah, you got one, Steve Urkel, who's just, he becomes the main focus, the main part of the show. And frankly, he's what makes it amazing. See, I'm going to have to, disagree with you it comes straight out of the game disagree because I what have you got against Urkel I have nothing actually no I do have a, a you lot got a lot of things against Urkel he's annoying uh, I don't find it, I find him a distraction rather than uh, than something that adds to the show Could because even I think the, the first episode he's not in it yeah um, and I find the best my favourite character is the dad I love Carl Carl because he Carl is great and he hates Urkel so much <laughs> Steve, <laughs> sit down. Get off there. See, that's probably why I like him so much. Um, and I think in the first episode, in the pilot, mm. actually, no, it wasn't the first episode, was it? Uh, it was episode three, because you sent me a message about um, episode three is actually episode one, but it turned out to be that was uh, good times, not this one. So anyway, and I watched <laughs> episode three first, and it was one about Carl was, um, he was annoyed because someone had run up a big water bill yeah. And his son comes in and says, oh, I've just washed the car. And he goes, what do you mean you washed the car? And he goes, you told me to wash the car. He goes, come and check with me before you do something I told you to do now. Um, yeah. But I find him kind of like a a funny, you know, head of the household. Kind yeah, of like I, a, yeah, I really like Carl. And obviously he's like, he's really caring because obviously he's letting his wife's sister living in the house. Yeah. Obviously his mum lives there. It's quite, it might be a, a crowded house, but he's got all of that. I think the mum is a widower as well. Even though he has all these brothers, he's kind of like, oh, you guys, you know, you can all live with me. And then obviously Rachel is there with her kid and they're all living in the house together. Yeah. So again, that's a really, a really good, really fun dynamic, which always gets muddled up. Like I said, because when we were talking before the pod, yeah, you were like Urkel, and I'm like, you cannot watch this program without watching episodes of Urkel. Yeah, you, you just can't. This whole show is okay. You've got one family, but they're they're constant. Their one thing that ties everything together is the next door neighbor. Yeah, but I think because I watched the first episode, it wasn't even in it, and the things you showed me and. I kind of like, um, he kind of gets shoehorned in there for me. Cause it was like, uh, 
it was uh, they're talking about jobs, and I think the girl comes in and she said, "I've got a job. I want a job working at Leroy's and this and that and the other." Mm-hmm. And then, and then I think, uh, what's the lady's name? That's the, the writer, Rachel, the writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she wants. She's like, oh, maybe I should kind of stop trying to write and get a real, uh, job. Get a real job. And then Urkel just comes swanning in, saying, "I got the last job." And that's kind of his kind of shoehorn into the episode. He's not shoehorned into the episode. The whole point is, if you obviously if you watch most of season one, he kind of comes in and then known to us, or we we're told that he's got this crush on Laura. Yeah. He's liked her from a very very young age. As we find out later on in the series, they will get engaged and they'll get married. That they'll end up getting together. How old are they? But how many episodes did it run for then? It ran forever, so it was like nine seasons. Really? Yeah. So from nineteen, so they actually grow up. Nineteen eighty-eight. So they grow up. Yeah, they grow up throughout the show. I'll be interested to see the the last couple of series. Then I'll be really interested to see how they grew up and how they. Yeah. Is he still? Is he still acting like the geeky kind of? Yes, he's still a nerd. He's still a. I think he's like the original blurred, so black nerd. Blurred. Yeah. Is that a thing? Blurred. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. I've yeah. never heard that before. Blurred. Yeah. So he's like, he made being a blurred so cool. And I think with um, the actor that plays Urkel, Jaleel Wright, I think because he was so iconic, yeah. because he's so memorable, I don't think he could be anything else. So I remember, I think he was in an episode of Fresh Prince. And I'm just looking and thinking... Did he play himself? No. <laughs> he may as well. Because I'm watching it thinking, oh, that's Urkel. I don't I, look at him and think, oh, he's, his name is John or actually or um, whatever. Can I cut in here? Because yeah, I, go for I, it. if I don't say it now, I'll forget. But it's, I should say it later. Say it. Um, so I watched a, an interview with Will Smith. It's on Sky, if anyone wants to uh, catch up on it. Um, and... Uh, uh, what's Carlton's name? Uh, Alfonso. Alfonso Ribeiro. Right. So he, they were talking. Oh, I know. I know this. Yeah. So they're talking about playing the the characters and how um, Alfonso was telling him, if you uh, pick a name for your character that you want to be known as for the rest of your life, because this was on when he was on Graham Norton. Oh, this was in on a Sky interview of Alex Zane. Okay. Um, I remember him saying this in Graham Norton. Yeah. So he's saying like I use my real name because that's what I wanted to be known as. Um, I've forgotten why I was even saying this now. No. See, I told you I'd to forget. I forgot no, even why I was talking about typecast. it. I think we're talking about typecasts. And I mean, if I, if I think of like Jaleel Wright, I will never ever think he's anything other than Urkel. Yeah. So I think for him, it was a blessing and a, and a, and a curse. Yeah. Cause it's like, you can't be anything else. Like you can't, you can't be John Smith. You can't be anything other than what you Steve think. Urkel. Because so, I think a lot of people get stuck in this trap. And um, someone I think did get stuck in this trap, but has tried really hard. And in my opinion, kind of failed to, uh, to get out of that is uh, Matt LeBlanc. Um, yeah. So he's obviously Joey from Friends. Yeah. Uh, he's done quite a lot else. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, he's even been on Top Gear. Uh, he's not on there anymore, but he's um, did a couple of seasons. And I still think he's struggled to break free of that character. Yeah, even yeah. though I think he actually did pretty well on Top Gear. He's one of my. He's one of the better presenters during his time there. But um, I think 
yeah, I think like you say, it's quite difficult if you get stuck in that role yeah. to, to kind of get out of that. Because surely you're thinking, this kid's a star. Yeah. He's playing this role so well. You're thinking he's just going to walk into opportunities. He's going to get all of the jobs. He's going to get all of the opportunities. It's going to be amazing for him. But I don't know. I'm looking at his IMDB and it's not like he's been anything in anything significant. Yeah, I think... It's always going to be a... I think that's when, when you kind of do a character... And oh, and especially if you're a child actor. Yeah. You don't want to be the star of the show. You don't want to be kind of like the main focus. Yeah. So... Like Macaulay Culkin, for Yeah, because obviously Macaulay Culkin, you're thinking, oh my God, he's the star. He's amazing. He's this and this. But it's always going to be the, the guy in the background. Yeah. It's going to be the guy who makes it big. It's going to be the guy who you might not have thought of much in the in the film, but he's he's going to be the one that goes on to be the big Hollywood star. Sure. So if you look at big Hollywood stars now, they're always it's always the ones that when they were in films when you're like growing up. So for example, like Dead Poet Society, the the Robin Williams film, I don't think the 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 guys who stood out in that film are the ones who are like really really big it's the ones who are kind of so ethan Hawke, for instance he was in dead poet society but he yeah. had like a a limited role in that film sure but he's now gone on and he's done amazing films he did training day he did boyhood so it's like they're the ones who go out and make it big whereas someone like jaleel white he can't be in a a, a top film because everyone's just gonna think Oh hey, it's Urkel. But do you think that's a lot to do with the fact that his character's um, a, a donut? Yeah, he, but his character—he's he a donut for a reason. And yeah, but what I'm saying is, he doesn't. He's, obviously, he's a character. He's, so the actor's playing an yeah. idiot character, right? Yeah. It's not like he's yeah. he, the, the the actor's an idiot, but yeah, he's not. But, he's probably not like that. But in it real becomes. Life. But it becomes so memorable. Like, for example, you've got someone like Tom Hanks that played, um, I don't know what his character's name was in Big, but then he played kind of Forrest Gump, two idiots, right? Yeah. And then he went on to play in, um, uh, what was his name? Captain something uh, in Saving Private Ryan. Um, mm -hmm. I've forgotten his name, and it's my favorite film ever. Um, anyway, so he, he plays um, an army captain in Saving Private Ryan, which is like a, a huge... yeah. A uh, huge role, um, really serious role. But do you see what I, I mean? I guess that's the flip side. Yeah, but because you because you can play one role incredibly well, but another one incredibly well. I think yeah, Tom Hanks is probably the, the example where you can kind of a wide scope. Yeah, but what I'm Robin saying, Williams, another one as well. Yeah, but Robin Williams still had the kind of the same kind of role, right? He always plays the kind of animated. Um, obviously he did have the oh, what's that film Good Will Hunting that's a completely Good Will Hunting well, that was a fantastic film but then yeah but it, then you had um, the, the other two main characters uh, ben a was Ben Affleck Ben Affleck and, and uh, Matt oh. Damon yeah Matt Damon that's it <laughs> yeah and then uh, actually I think it was um, my wife that said uh, uh, Matt Damon actually got that role in Saving Private Ryan because of that film 
by the way. And uh, maybe it might be a case of, because he's a black actor, he might not get as many opportunities and many doors open to him because he's black and no, he's exactly. not so white. What... Sips tea. Mm-hmm. You've actually banned me from drinking tea <laughs> during the podcast because I keep going... <laughs> yeah, yeah, phantom sipper. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. So... Um, it's kind of something else I was getting at, getting at as well. Is that do you think it's the actor? Do you think it's the circumstances? Do you think I think it's everything, everything combined. But I just think with Urkel, I'm a Brit. I had never heard of Steve Urkel until last week. Yeah. Probably the same for many of the UK listeners now. They'd probably had never heard of Steve Urkel. But I'm watching that and from based off of a week, I've deciphered, I've kind of said to myself, this guy is so incredible and amazing and I, I'm loving watching him as Steve Urkel, but I can already think in my head he's typecast. Yeah. I can, I can never not watch him in another program and think, hey, it's Urkel, what's he doing here? Yeah, yeah. Sure. And the way he talks, the way he acts, is that, way, his, is that his voice, or is, is that just I, I he's think just, he just made on. that voice? Yeah, yeah he just put that voice on, and I think that voice just kind of makes it all so incredible. And I'm just watching it, and I just think you are just the most brilliant thing ever. I, I, yeah, I. So that's what makes this so rich and so like interesting to talk about because yeah. you find him really interesting, and I find him incredibly annoying. Maybe yeah, because. Maybe most British people will watch that and think it's too God, much. He's irritating, yeah. but I don't know what it was about him. I just find him really. I found I found that whole thing to be quite charming in mm. a way. Yeah. Him just coming to the house, going, "Hey, Carl. Hey, big guy. Do you need a hand with that?" And then he's just destroying everything. And then he's just like, "Steve, you are banned <laughs> from this house." You will never ever come here. And he's obviously getting to boots with Laura. Yeah. Remember my expression, getting to boots. Yes. He's getting to boots with Laura and he's like, Laura, I think you're the most beautiful girl in the world. Oh, ay, ay, ay. I think I'm going to faint. And she's just like, Steve, go away. Leave me alone, you idiot. And do you know who reminds me when you said that? It just reminds me of Alpha from the Power Rangers. Do you remember? Do you remember Power Rangers? Did you watch it as a kid? Only the Mighty Morphin. Yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Alpha, the uh, the robot that was running around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who played? Yeah, yeah. Was that Urkel that played him? Because that sounds like quite similar. It's not. <laughs> that's who. That's who he unless, reminds me. Unless Family Matters had a crossover with Power Rangers, maybe. <laughs> right. Let's talk about episodes now of uh, Family Matters, and apart from the one I told you to watch which was a, a Urkel heavy episode. Yeah. So um I I I kind of got distracted this week with um and not because I didn't do my homework but because the um I was watching quite a lot of the other shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and uh, so I was watching anyway, I watched the episode 3, I think, that I thought was a pilot like I said. Um and it was, it was kind of based on um I want to say Rachel. Is it Rachel? 
the writer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. So, uh, writer, uh, so Rachel was, uh, was trying to uh, make it as a writer. She, she's, she's crying, she's try, uh, trying to, um, if I can get my words out, I just lost all my words. Um, she's trying to uh, write a, a story for the newspaper and I think she gets rejected and then her sister says, you know what, just write about what you know and then people will kind of like that. So she writes a story, but she kind of bases the characters on all of the characters at home. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and meanwhile, Carl's getting really annoyed because there's a water bill being run up that's uh, ridiculous. And then his son keeps, he left the sprinkler on all night, he washed the car, and he's, and he's kind of getting annoyed, and, and he ends up turning the water off. Um, and then his wife says, listen, he goes, oh, I'm going to save some money on the water if we can only use it for four hours a day. And she says, you know how else we can save money? We can uh, stop eating. And he just goes, oh, I'm going to go and turn the water back on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I think the story is more kind of um, revolves around Rachel and her, um, the newspaper comes back and says, we've accepted your story. We thought it was really good and this and that and the other. And they publish her story and all the family get annoyed of her because all of the characters are based on characters in the house. Yeah. uh, Even up to the grandma. And so no one's talking to her by the end of the thing and it's about the kind of resolution because I think she really annoys her sister because she says she's overbearing and this and that. But anyway, it all ends happily ever after. It was a good episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I en- As they do, yeah. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed the uh, Carl yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, and I think you better take it from here. I think he's... I love Carl. I, I think he's, again, a magnificent sort of male role model that you know, black people could kind of look at. I think the finale of season two was uh, probably the one like most powerful episode that Carl was in. So basically it's a year anniversary of the sort of time that Carl was um, involved in a hostage situation and he feels that he could have done more to save the hostage. So basically they were in a, a shop and the guy has a gun to the head and he shoots the hostage. And obviously the hostage dies and is Carl it, is... Is this shown in the thing? Not the actual incident, but oh. they kind of show... They talk about the news report. Yeah. And the the news journalist is basically saying to Carl, do you think you could have done more? And he's like, I don't know. That's such a brutal question. And so he's just haunted by it because it's coming up to the year anniversary. And he's just, that's just the whole thing is just weighing on his mind. And then he goes to the grave of the the hostage. And so he's basically going, my name's Carl. I'm so sorry. I could have done more to save you. I could have helped you. I could have done more. And then basically the wife kind of comes to the cemetery and then she's like, oh, I'm really sorry to disturb you. And so Carl is, he's just basically pouring his heart out he's like in tears he's crying he's like i'm so sorry i could have done more and so he speaks to um the wife and so she's just like it's not your fault he kind of wanted to go to the shop and he wanted to buy the things and obviously she says it's really really hard but i don't want you to blame yourself for this this is not your fault so this was a really powerful episode and he was just, you know, bearing his sort of heart and soul and just saying how guilty he felt. And it was just, yeah. So this wasn't really a 
an Urkel based episode. This was basically it's quite a heavy episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really, really heavy, and it was just one of those where. Yeah, it was just really great. Another kind of episode from season two that was a, a classic was a Requiem for an Urkel. So basically, there's a bully around called Willie, actually played by uh, Lawrence Tate, who uh, power fans would know is Councilman Rashad Tate. Love power. But yeah, he's a very famous actor, Lawrence Tate. He was in uh, Crash. What's Crash? You know, seen Crash. It's basically the film where they have all these different kind of people living in LA. So it kind of deals with race and yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a, a classic film. So anyway, I digress. So basically, Urkel is trying to defend Laura's honor, and he's like to Willie, "Well, I don't like how you're bullying everybody," and so the teacher suggests that Urkel and Willie have a boxing match. So this is again a classic Urkel episode. And so he doesn't know how to fight. He doesn't know how to defend himself. And so Carl is like this to Urkel. Why don't you uh, do the Urkel shuffle? Which basically means running away. So he's basically in the ring getting chased around. And then by the time Willie catches up with him, he like just punches him out. And then everybody in the kind of crowd is like, hey man, leave Urkel alone. And then everyone's like, oh, if Urkel can stand up to you, I can stand up to you. So basically everybody's just like going to Willie going, yeah, we, we want, we want next. We want next. We want next. And so he basically runs away and Laura's like, Oh, I really appreciate that you stood up for me. And this is where the beginning stages, I think of where Laura's starting to, where their love feelings. starts to blossom. Yeah. This is where she starts to catch feelings for, for Urkel. Now, interestingly enough, there is a, uh, an episode from season five that I really, really liked. So this is basically Dr. Urkel and Mr. Cool. And so basically Urkel is just being a big old nerd. He spills drinks on Laura while they're at the, uh, the milkshake joint. And obviously he's just being really stupid. And he's like, did I do that? And she's like, I'm tired of you being so clumsy. I wish you change. So he basically makes this uh, a cool jeans kind of potion and he drinks it and then he basically becomes Stefan Urkel, which is basically Urkel, but like a really cool version. He's not wearing glasses. He's like tall with broad shoulders and all the girls fancy him, but he instead of like being caring and nice, he's just very vain. He's very vapid. And so Laura's like, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I miss the old Steve. And he's like, what do you mean you miss the old Steve? Everyone likes me. I'm popular. I'm cool. I'm everything I ever wanted to be. And then basically Laura's like, look, I want you to change back to Steve for me. And so he reluctantly changes back to being really clumsy and nerdy. And she's like, ah, I, this is the, the Urkel, the Steve Urkel that I kind of know and love. And also in this season, Carl is basically trying to fix a lamp and he refuses to listen to Urkel's advice. And so he has a massive electric shock and uh, Urkel basically saves Carl's life. So he gives him CPR and he, heart stop yeah 
And so he basically saves him. And basically Carl's like, okay, maybe you're not so bad. And so, yeah, that's a really... Uh, Can I tell you a little story? Go for it. Uh, so once when I was younger. Um, I mean, my... it's, it's the episode for it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so my brother um, was a bit of a kind of... He still does. He tries to fix everything. And he's good at it. Um, but this one time, he had uh, he had an amp on his lap. And he was trying to fix it with a screwdriver. And it was plugged in. And God knows why he did this. But he put his screwdriver into the AC outlet. And there's a, a big blue flame. <laughs> he blew up. Uh, it, I think he got a little belt from it, but it didn't uh, didn't go crazy. And anyway, that's uh, that's the whole story. But it's, it, was, it was hilarious. And so we'll come to the end of uh, Family Matters now. And so basically the final episode of this was that NASA buys the patent to one of Urkel's inventions. So he basically invents some kind of thing where you could have gravity in space so you can come down instead of just floating about in the air. And so they're basically going up to space, but the actual invention unintentionally causes a nearby satellite to crash into the shuttle that they're on. And so they're basically hurtling into outer space. And so the last ever episode, they're trying to struggle to save Urkel's life because Urkel gets out of the actual shuttle and he tries to disconnect the, the satellite so that they don't have to kind of be connected to it. And eventually that whole thing gets resolved and he basically comes back to Earth and it kind of ends with Laura going, promise me one thing. And he's like, anything. And she goes, please don't ever go into space. And then he says, I'll only go to space when I'm with you. And I thought that was very adorable, very lovely. And uh, Eddie, so the son, he becomes a police officer. And so he's basically working the beat. And then he kind of finds himself in the middle of a shootout. He gets shot at, but fortunately he was wearing a bulletproof vest. So obviously he's training to be a police officer and yeah. so on and so forth. And not that kind of police officer. Okay. <laughs> okay, now, so this is the part where I was dreading. Actually, no, I know who I'm going to pick. But um, again, I really think that this is a, a pick em. But we have to choose which... It's a real pick'em. Yes, it's a real pick'em. Oh, doctor, we got ourselves a real pick'em. So, uh, do you want to go first? No, I think you should go first. Okay, then. Uh, while I love good times, and after 40-odd years, it has held up magnificently well, I'm going to go with Family Matters, simply because of one Steve Urkel. I just felt that he made that show. It was really, really good. I really liked Family Matters. Again, yeah. I can't believe it's a sitcom I never watched before. The same with Good Times, actually. And it's just one of those where I, I really enjoyed it. I loved Urkel. I felt like his character. I felt that the jokes held up. Yeah. Again, with Good Times, actually they both of these shows actually held up incredibly well considering most shows 
don't age well, but these two have aged tremendously well, but just for the simple fact that this show had. For me, one of the most iconic TV characters of all time. I think Urkel is like top two, and he ain't number two. That's how much I... That's how much of a, an impression, an indelible mark yeah. that he left on me. Okay. Um... You're entitled to your opinion. It's a free country. <laughs> this is what's great about living in the West. <sighs> oh. Uh, okay, so clearly um, we're not on the same page here. Uh, oh, what's the matter, Paul? I think your mic is cutting off. <laughs> oh, oh. Modern technology. What are we going to do, eh? That's all we got time for in this episode. <laughs> That's <laughs> all we got time for, folks. Join us next week for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. <laughs> don't even, don't even think about it, boy. Don't even think about it. Wow. <laughs> there you go. We're back now. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So uh, I um. Even forget Urkel, because obviously, clearly, we're not on the same thing there. But I thought the, uh, for me, the the storyline of um, Family Matters kind of shifted really quickly. And it kind of goes off on one and it it escalates really quickly. And it kind of goes on to these really far-fetched kind of storylines like um for me i i didn't i didn't get to where you you were talking about in the episode rundown mm. and then to it but it didn't surprise me that he went to space <laughs> you know because uh, it's kind of it based in a it's kind of like suburban um suburban area in chicago and then it's he's it, all of a sudden he's in nasa and he's in space so yeah um i didn't i didn't like that um i didn't like there's only a few things i did kind of like about um family, family matters, matters. Uh, but that being said, when we're talking about um, good times, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like every every episode, yeah, every minute, yeah. every character uh, had their depth, had their purpose, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching. Um, yeah, good me times. Too, me I, too. It was really good, and it. I mean, it wasn't a pickem for me. I have to say, it was like straight up good times. It was so good, so funny, and I, and even some of the episodes you were talking about, and I have to go back and watch now uh, because I didn't get around to watching them. But the episodes that I did watch, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Even, yeah, I, I could even tell in the first like probably within the first five minutes of watching um, uh, Family Matters that I wasn't going to enjoy it as much. That being said, when I watched the first five minutes of Good Times, as with anything, it kind of takes a little while to get to know the characters and to figure out who's who and what's what and where's where. Yeah. Um, uh, but I loved it. I really enjoyed watching Good Times. Um, fantastic. So for me this week, definitely Good Times. Yeah. And look, obviously we have like stuff that we like and 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 will will say is is kind of the winner. But again, I don't think there's winners and losers. For no, I think shows. like look. I think I think both. For me, I think both shows were phenomenal, and it's like I'm. I'm amazed. I was watching the pilot of Good Times and yeah. it was one of those where I was just like, instantly, I'm going to like the show. Yeah, I have to I'm say that. I'm going to really like it. I like the the characters. Wasn't big on JJ, but I liked all the other characters. <laughs> See, I don't know how you can great. like Urkel and not like JJ. That's peculiar JJ for me. JJ got on my Swede, he did. 
<laughs> he got on my Swede. Just the way he was, and just like, shut up, JJ. I thought he was just a lovable character, man. I thought he was incredible and he's really funny. Um, but like you said, I think they're both both shows are good, man. Um, yeah, I like. I wouldn't ever say that uh, Phantom Mouse was a bad show, not in any sense of the word. It yeah. just wasn't my thing. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. But that's all right. That's that's why we're here, and it's it's good to have different opinions. No, exactly. It's great to to um to be able to disagree and not be wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so we finally come to the main event now. Feels like we've been here for like forever. Yeah, we did talk about that for quite a while. But <laughs> Now we're going on to September of 1990 and some of the things that were happening in the world. You had Iraq invading the French and Dutch missions in Kuwait and basically the French president Mitterrand called it a violation of international law and that basically started the whole was that the desert storm campaigns i think so yeah so this is when i think um saddam hussein invaded kuwait and basically the whole world got up in arms about it and basically stopped him and he also had the dalai lama unveiling the canadian tribute to human rights in ottawa and also this is where a 19 year old pete sampras wins the first singles his first singles slam by beating Andre Agassi in the US Open also you had Goodfellas in the cinemas at the time and The Joker by Steve Miller Band was number one in September of 1990 and The Joker's just come out as well the new one Oh, the film. Is that, yeah, is that the same is, thing? No, this is a completely yeah. different Joker. This is a, a song by Steve Miller Band. And so the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air now. This is the main event. So obviously this is starring Will Smith as a fictionalized version of himself, moving from West Philadelphia. Born and raised. Where there's a playground where he spent most of his days. And so he gets into a fight. And his mum got scared and says, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel-Air. I don't know why I'm singing the theme song, but yeah, so there you go. And it ran for six seasons, airing 148 episodes. And yeah, so this is basically Will. He's from a working class background and he's basically clashing with how the Banks family, they live in a, a nice house in Belair, they've got a mansion in Belair, and he's basically trying to figure it all out. The actual premise of the show is actually loosely based on the producer Benny Medina. So Benny Medina grew up in uh, LA, so East LA, so in a poor neighborhood. But he made friends with a, a rich white teenager, and they lived in Beverly Hills, and so he lived with them. And so he kind of used that as part of the the concept of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So basically a, a poor black guy moving to a, a wealthy part of a wealthy part of Bel-Air. Sounds like a Sandra Bullock movie. <laughs> you know, incidentally, she was in Crash. But, uh, was she? But this is not an, a podcast about Crash. So, uh, yeah. So um, it's funny because uh, before... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and this was kind of like the thing that sort of helped save and revive 
Will Smith's career because obviously, as you know, at the time he was part of a duo called uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So that was kind of like his um, tandem with uh, with Jazz. I have a question. Is that the same jazz that's in Fresh Prince? Yeah. Oh, it's the so same they guy. were a duo oh, cool. together and they, obviously, they were making loads of music. They met because I think he was doing a, uh, uh, he was DJing at a house party. Yeah. And he was missing his hype man. And Will Smith just turned up. Hype, hype. man, so basically the rapper. Oh, okay. So, or the MC if you want. I'm learning. <laughs> Be more white, Paul. Be more white. <laughs> but hype man, come on. What? Like normally rappers will have a hype man with them when they're performing. Yeah, but I don't understand. So if it's kind of like, for example, if you're rapping like Old MacDonald, Hadder, and then the rap man, uh, the hype man would be farm. like Farm, E-I-E-I. Oh? Yeah, so kind of, it's kind of like that. That's the basic explanation of, of hype man. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah. So he was like, and that's how they kind of joined together. And then in 1986, I think they released their first single, Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. So this is basically using the uh, I Dream of Genie theme song yeah. as part of the, the soundtrack. You know I Dream of Genie? No, of course not. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they use that as the sample. I actually think this is their best song, Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. And they win a couple of Grammys. So they win a Grammy for Parents Just Don't Understand. And obviously they won a Grammy for Summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. Nope. You'll probably know it if you heard it, but I, I think Men it's in Black. the most overrated song ever written. I think it's so overrated. People go crazy for that song. I mean, I can tell you now if they're going crazy for that song, it's overrated because I don't. I can tell. No, by but it. I mean, you're just the weirdo, but everybody knows Summertime by DJ Jazz Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Nope. But yeah, it's a it's a it's an incredibly famous song. Unfortunately, they uh, split up in 1994 after Code Red because I think Will Smith wanted to pursue acting, as we'll go on to with the the Fresh Prince. So basically, I think he gets into a load a load of debt in real and life. He's, yeah, in real life, and so he's basically trying to figure out what the hell am I going to do with my life? And I think his girlfriend at the time. Suggested that he go to the uh, Arsenio Hall show. And at the Arsenio Hall show, I think that is where he met Benny, Benny Medina. And Benny Medina told him this idea about he was having a, an idea for a show. And Will Smith was like, oh, I'm not sure. I've never done acting before. But he convinces him to meet Quincy Jones. And they meet Quincy Jones. And he basically hands Will Smith a script. And they do a reading and fast forward, they're drawing up the contract and literally three months later, they're shooting a pilot. Wow. And that's how... That's incredible. I love those stories, man. Like where it's like, yeah. you know, out against all odds, people kind of make it. I love yeah. those kind and of things. And it's one of those chance. I love a chance meeting. Yeah. So he just goes to the Arsenio Hall just randomly and then that's how he meets Benny Medina. And for Benny Medina, he meets Quincy Jones and boom. You got a sitcom. And so, yeah, they do that for six seasons. You've obviously got, and he moves into the house with um, Uncle Phil, who's played by James Avery. 
you got Vivian, who's played by Janet Herbert Witten, and then later Daphne Maxwell Reed, and then Carlton, Alfonso Ribeiro, you had Hillary, Karen Parsons, Ashley Banks, Tatiana Ali, Joseph Marcel is Jeffrey, and then obviously later on, Nikki was born, so you had Ross Bagley playing the role of Nikki. Now, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where do you... Where do you want to start with this? Uh, do you know what? I don't even know where to start because I, th- I think this kind of burst on our screens when we were kind of younger. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when it came out, when how old we were. It was 1990, so I was two. <laughs> no, but I don't remember. I don't. I remember it kind of being a thing, and it wasn't a thing, and then it was a thing. When, but I was kind of like uh, getting a bit older now, maybe yeah. in my teens. Yeah, I only got into it like as as I'm in my teens. I never again. It, it used to come on as a, actually. Yeah, I. I think my aunties used to watch it and whatnot. Yeah, I remember being in year eight at school, I think, um, which must be the uh, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, tenth grade, eleventh grade, or whatever it is. I don't know, in America. Year eight. It'll yeah. be the eighth grade. Is it? Yes. Oh, yeah, I started from seven. <laughs> eighth grade. Okay, so are you sure? Yeah. Including reception. I think, I think seven, so. year seven, year eight, and year nine is like middle school. Yeah. And then year 10, year 11 is like. Yeah, high so school. I was in like year eight when this came out. And it was like, it was huge. I remember me and my mate used to know all the words. Yeah, to, um, everybody knows the words too. But in the first episode, they had the, the, uh, the, it's an extended it's version a single, of the intro. It's single, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a, the whole so it's extended version. Whole song, yeah. Um, I mean, I have to say the middle verses don't really add anything to the <laughs> overall soundtrack. I think they're just kind of there. I begged um, them, pleaded with her. Is this what Bel Air's going to be like? Ooh, I might as well kick it. Yeah. It's Up not... to the neighborhood, Bond and raids, and then yeah, uh, whatever. But I have to say, when I was a kid, straight out the gate, wasn't even. A kid. I don't really like the theme song. I know the words. I know how it goes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. Do you know what? I'm gonna. I think, I, I, I'm I not think gonna because it's played to death. Yeah, I'm not gonna agree with you because I really like the theme tune. But I have to say, when I was rewatching it, so I, I watched it as a, as a teenager and I, I really liked it, and everyone I knew yeah, liked yeah, it. Yeah. But then I watched it again, and it wasn't quite as much. But then I watched it again for this, and I, I have to say, I kind of enjoyed it a bit more than I did the last time I watched it. But the theme tune, the first few episodes, you're like, yeah, straight on, and you know, like, because it's all on Netflix at the moment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and. The first, like maybe three, four episodes you're watching, you watch it all the way through the intro, yeah. and then you slowly start to get up to that sneak in, uh, skip intro button, right? I was like that from the gate, from the gate. I mean, there might have been a time in my life where I did like the theme song, yeah, but like I said, it's been played to death, just like yeah. that summertime song. It's played to death, to death. I can't deal with this theme song yeah i know all the words i know every bar i know every beat if i watch enough episodes of the older fresh prince i would know the words to the other parts of it yeah i mean but i mean so one thing i noticed but it makes the show it gives it that flavor and that uniqueness about it and i guess yeah whatever it's good whatever. i think probably um this is just a theory of mine this is nothing this is not based on fact or it's just a complete conjecture but i think that the the fact that the um although it's annoying now now we've we listened to it 500 times probably in the, in the last few months um i feel like 
with, without a um, an intro like that, it wouldn't have been quite so successful because everyone, yeah, 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 everyone yeah, yeah. knew the words. To yeah, it. everyone yeah. knew what it was. Yeah. Um, you couldn't mention Fresh Prince of Us singing singing, yeah. singing some of the theme tunes. This is a story all about how my life got flipped exactly. upside down. And, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right here. I'll tell you how I became a prince to the town called... Oh. So everyone knows it, right? And I'm not sure how interested people would have been without that to to kind of get them into to it. To bounce off yeah. and have that dynamic with, with the show. No, I, exactly. I, I, no, no, I, I, I get all of that. I, I do. I just, for me, and it's just a, a personal preference kind of thing. I just, yeah, it was. And with this show, we'll probably get into it as we talk about episodes and themes and things like that. I think Fresh Prince of Bel-Air just about by a thread holds up. I think most of it yeah. hasn't aged well. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think it's aged as well as Good Times or Family Matters. I just think that with this show, there's some incredible moments, some incredible scenes that frankly saves the show is it the, when uh, there's an there's an episode where phil and um will k- hug i think probably for the first time ever in it is it when the dad oh yeah what does he say he says um so something, something about his dad yeah and they see ha- that oh, that's just absolutely like, phenomenal yeah scene that was where he's oh just, it wasn't that a real part real bit of acting wasn't that like I a, think yeah like it was one of those where legend it was goes just, yeah like it's it's one of those where because it's so real because it's so raw yeah you can't really you can't really like it's not a scripted thing yeah like you you're gonna have to like improvise a little bit you're gonna have to really sort of read the moment and read the situation and just kind of go with it. Yeah, I think he discusses that episode, and he's like, "It's it was so real." And I think he was saying that James was telling him that, "Look, you're going to have to just act the heck out of this moment. You're going to have to give this every last ounce of energy and 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 acting that you can give it." So I've I've just googled uh, Fresh Prince dad scene. Um, so I just put Fresh Prince dad, and it came scene real. So I think this was kind of a, a a, a part in the uh, in the series where Will Smith's acting stopped being acting and kind of he just kind of brought his own experiences. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you could tell all over YouTube. So because the way, yeah, like everybody, like if you're sharing clips of Fresh Prince, everybody will always share this clip, and it's one of those where if you're in a situation where you didn't grow up having a dad, yeah, you could feel every sinew of pain and emotion that he's saying where he's like i had 15 great birthdays without him i don't need him now to hell with him and he's just he's like i didn't need him then and then i don't need him now and then the the inner kid just comes out of him and he's like how come he doesn't want me anymore yeah and he's just like yeah like how come like i'm this guy yeah and he's just like he's 
He's like, I've developed, he's saying all the things that he's done. So I learned how to shave. I learned how to play basketball. I learned how to fight. I learned how to do all of these stuff. And he still doesn't want me. Like, what? what's wrong with me? Like, yeah. the kid will think, is it me? Is it something that I did wrong? No, it's the fact that his dad is just a big bottle job that didn't want to stick around. So that that was that was it but that's just one of those scenes where you just you'll never ever forget it and you'll never ever you'll always watch that and just think this is just yeah this is unreal it's just yeah. and it's scenes like that where they're doing the real and they're doing the real stuff which makes Fresh Prince of Bel-Air just about stand the test of time because I think if you take off every kind of serious episode that they had and it was just the comedy, yeah, I don't think it would have held up. And no. I, and I, and I thought at times it was, I'm watching it and it's, it's cringe. Yeah. I'm I th- cringing at the, the comedy at the, at the acting. But again, maybe it's the charm. Maybe that's what made it what it is. But I think I have to agree with you actually about the, the fact that, you know, they, it's kind of a bit cringy bit here and there, but I have to say it's a credit to the writers. Um, and I find this in a few, there's a few shows that can do it really well. Um, mm. and just for Jim's sake, I'm going to plug only fools and horses cause they do it incredibly well. Yeah. But the ability to go from funny to serious, especially in the same episode in the same scene. Yeah. Um, th- that is phenomenal writing. Yeah. And I have to say yeah. that I agree um, with that. So the writing in that obviously managed to do this very successfully in, in, in Pre- fresh prints. I'm just going to go ahead and plug only falls and horses and say that John Sullivan, Oh, he's magnificent. <laughs> the way he wrote this, especially there's an episode called modern men in, uh, only falls and horses. And if you ever get a chance, go and watch that episode because that goes from, um, uh, from comedy to to like heartbreak, and I'm talking real heartbreak. Um, I'm not ashamed to say it. This episode's made me cry about three or four times. I've seen so it. What was it about again? Sorry. So in this episode, um, uh, I don't I probably watch it, but you, you, I mean, uh, I can't. I, I want to say spoiler alert because, but you should have seen it by now, surely. But, yeah. Um, it's it's the episode where uh, Cassandra and Rodney are having a baby. Oh, okay, when they lose the baby. And they have a miscarriage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know this episode. And that episode, and I just want to, uh, the only reason I'm doing it, because I think that's probably I the best comparison I can episode, think of. If you do like a top five of yeah. the most watched things in the whole of the UK, that's top five. Really? I'm yeah. not surprised because yeah. it's fantastic. I think that the Olympics opening ceremony of 2012 oh, London. Oh, Okay. We're talking like everything. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the most watched of all time, I think England, West Germany, yeah, uh, Italian ninety World Cup semi final. I think maybe Morecambe and Wise, maybe Bullseye. I think got ridiculous rating yeah. one Christmas. But I think yeah, that when Ronnie Cassandra losing the baby, I think it's one of the the highest watched things in but the history is, of UK television. But it is so like. But yeah, you can but, tell between the real. Yeah. And the, the 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 real life, and then just comedy capers no, exactly, and yeah. the so things it, are happening, but, and you mesh it together. Yeah, I think yeah, Fresh so Prince would would often do that brilliantly well. And I think another episode, Bullets Over Bel Air. So this was season five. So this is where Will and Carlton are at an ATM machine, and Will gets shot. And basically, in this 
episode, Will's he's he's lying up in the hospital. He's kind of cracking jokes and whatnot. And Carton's like, "How can you be laughing? You just got shot." And even in that scene where Carton like knocks over the hospital food, and Will's like, "I was going to eat that." Yeah. And 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 they're dealing with it in that scene, and and Carton's like. Why is everything such a joke to you? And Will basically sees that Carton's got a gun and Will's like, give me the gun. Like, I saved your life. You owe me. I want the gun. And so within that, you've got the very, very funny where Will's like, I was going to eat that pudding that you just dropped on the floor. Yeah. And on the other hand, you got the Will in tears, like, what the hell was wrong with you? How could you possibly be carrying a gun? I think that's safe or or, or, or smart Mm -hmm. and so you kind of had that and I think again yeah it's the way that they did that for most of the episodes it's kind of what saves it for me and it kind of is what it's thought of in such high regard to so many people yeah I think um, obviously Fresh Prince launched uh, Will Smith's career big time Um, I, I mean not launched but I think it revived yeah, I mean, obviously, because he went on to do Independence Day whilst he was doing uh, Fresh Prince. I think Prince. he did Bad Boys as well. Yeah, sorry, Bad Boys was first, 1995. Let me say this about Bad Boys. I don't care how much stick you lot give me. Bad Boys is a horrible film. It's an awful, awful film. I've never seen it. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, good. There are hundreds of Will Smith films that you guys can go and watch. But I remember when I said it in a barbershop once, I got absolutely battered. Were you getting your hair cut at the time? You've got to be careful it when didn't you start. Matter, yeah. <laughs> but everyone's like, are you serious? Are you serious? Like, they're like, how can you? And I wrote it on Twitter. And I'm like, I said what I said. I didn't stutter. Bad Boys is an awful film. Is when Bad Boys anybody too, goes, Bad Boys 2 is even worse than the first one. Whoa, because I've ever... And everyone's like, bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when it... That makes me cringe so much. I think I just uh, almost threw up in my mouth just uh, (laughs) just doing that thing now. And um, So, uh, uh, do you know what? I'm quite glad you said that. Before we move on to the... (gasps) (gasps) Sorry, (laughs) I just feel really... Do you, to, do you want me to cut this and uh, we'll we'll pick it up? Oh, I'm just throwing up in my mouth just thinking of that Bad Boy song and the fact that they're going to do another film. They're who the bloody hell thought it was a good idea to do a Bad Boys 3? Do huh? you know who? For the people that are bankrolling it, man. They want to make loads of money. Have you noticed how many bad movies have been made just because they're going to make a few quid out of it? Disney are remaking all of their, um, all of their classics. And I have to say, I haven't seen one real world Disney classic that they've remade that's any good The Lion King was appalling the oh my god okay you've got me onto a bit of a rant now but the the fact that they're just I doing... saw a little bit of the new Beauty and the Beast and I didn't really like that do you know what I find... it, it doesn't touch the classic no no exactly but do you know what annoyed me uh, The Lion King right so that, that was the last movie that I watched um was the last movie I watched in the cinema? I think it was. Um, so obviously, you think of The Lion King, you think of you and your kid and Mufasa and oh my God, yeah, so, one of the most tragic films ever. 
we watched it, and all, and honestly, you can Long hear. Long live the king. In fact, just for just for prop, I'm going to do what I thought the movie was like. Right? You can see this. Um, so, ah, uh, uh, Simba, I was very disappointed in you. You shouldn't have gone there. You put Nala in danger. Oh, so let me turn this page around. Um, <laughs> and it was, you could see people reading the, the script and it was like, come on. And, and I, I, I thought, please can, can we just stop this now? I mean, the, 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 the one before was just such a classic. I've gone off on a rant, but what were we talking about before? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about, uh, remakes. Yeah. Obviously not, not, not remakes, but they're doing Bad Boys 3, so a sequel. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a remake, it's just uh, they 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 Oh yeah, because there's just people making money just off the name of things, right? So, no, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> back to uh Will Smith. I mean Will Smith is not a bad actor. I just think Bad Boys was was bad. No, I, do you know what? Will Smith's not, one of my favourite actors. Yeah, I think he's fantastic. And uh if you had a top three Will Smith films, what's your top three? Uh Men in Black One. Um because Will Smith's great in it. Uh uh, Pursuit of Happiness um, and Independence Day. Not in any particular order. For me, it's Pursuit of Happiness, Hitch. I love Hitch. Hitch is okay. Hitch is brilliant. But it's a bit... It's, a bit it's too... probably my favourite Will Smith film. And my third... I think probably Independence Day, yeah. Independence Day is a cracking movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the, also yeah, got... Yeah, um, three. Independence Day, Hitch, and Pursuit of Happiness for me. Yeah, it's all got Jeff Goldblum in it as well, so it's like a double win. <laughs> Another episode I really want to talk about, and I think it kind of might hit home with you personally, so this was Guess Who's Coming to Marry. So this was when one of the... Because obviously um, Aunt Vivian or Aunt Viv has a, a younger sister, so it's four of them. So it's yeah. Vi, Vivian... Janice and um can't remember what the fourth one's called. Jonathan. Aunt Vivian. Vi. I can't I can't remember what the loud one is called, but yeah, so it's four of them, and the young one is basically getting married. She obviously doesn't tell them that he's white. And so they're all kind of thinking, oh, who's this guy? Who's this guy? And so basically a, a black guy walks in with bags. And everybody's all thinking, oh man, he's fine. He's amazing. <laughs> they're, they're basically lording over him. And he's like, oh, what's going on? And then basically they're like, oh, don't worry. We're going to bring you your little lady upstairs. And he's like, cool, cool. <laughs> and, so, and then basically like a white guy walks in and Uncle Phil's tipping him going, yep, here's, here's five bucks, kid. Get out of here. And then Janice comes down, runs, and she's hugging and kissing the white guy. And they're all going, oh, oh, and basically the black guy is sitting on the couch going, so where's this uh, little lady y'all promised me? And they're basically like, get out of here, man. Like, get out of here. And they're all like, and basically, yeah, Frankie's name is so Frank and Janice, they go upstairs and uh, they're all like, did you notice that he was tall? And they're like. <laughs> It's okay. The uh, the kids go to a predominantly tall school. And then one of them is like, oh, I had a cousin once who married a tall girl. And then Wool's like, did any of y'all not notice? But he was white. <laughs> and basically the big sister was like, 
why are you marrying a white guy? Don't marry a white guy. Me and Will, we're not going to come to the wedding. But she's like, look, I get what you're saying. I know how difficult it is, but I love him and he loves me and we're going to get married. And basically, if you don't like it, you can lump it. And so, yeah, this was a very interesting episode, how they kind of dealt with that dynamic. Obviously, they were kind of looking at the the pitfalls and the kind of the disadvantages of a, a mixed race marriage, particularly with a white guy and a black woman and how that kind of dynamic kind of goes. And they kind of do that really, really well. And basically, Will's mom comes to her senses because obviously Will's like, look, just because you don't agree with what your little sister's doing doesn't mean that what are you going to do? You're going to abandon her. You're going to abandon your sister because you don't agree with her. And so, you know, you need to come to your senses. It doesn't matter if he's white, if she loves him. That's ultimately what, 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 what counts. I don't know. It just kind of reminded. Reminded you of what? Of, of, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Of what? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, Come on, speak a black up. guy walking. I'm thinking, oh, who is this brother that my <laughs> sister's bringing? Damn, bro. Like, you know, like doing the whole like black nod. Going, yeah, <laughs> sup, bro. And then, yeah. Thinking, oh, oh, here's a white guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here you go, Billy. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's a fiver. Yeah, go, go and park the car or something. Yeah. But no, he's just a. Uh, I feel like I didn't re-watch this episode. I think I feel I've watched it before. Um, but I think if any episode I, I should have rewatched, I think this should have I should have watched this episode. <laughs> Let's be honest. I think it was a play on of the uh, the Sydney Portier film Guess Who's Coming Potter. to Dinner. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Sydney Potter. This is all I said. It's Sydney Portier. No, Potter. It's an only pulls and horses thing. I know I'm, it I'm, is, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I know it is, yeah. Granddad loved him, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Potter. Yeah. It's oh, Potter. It's, it's Sidney Potter. <laughs> he was in that film, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, yeah, it was kind of a play on that. And, and then who? There was another one. Um, it was... Guess who? With yeah. uh, Bernie Mac and Ashton Kutcher. Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, that's the one. Yeah, so that film, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, that's basically... Uh, that was my life a few years ago. Uh... <laughs> And that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's then, an interesting concept, right? We we knew he was white, so I think yeah, that's, I think uh, Ash that, had. Uh, I think that's the yeah. Maybe she had the wherewithal to tell us that he was white, so he wasn't expecting. Uh, oh, <laughs> white guy, huh? You know. Yeah, I think that's that's probably good foresight. Um, Say, how you doing, that? You know, <laughs> hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. <laughs> no it's just yeah that that episode was good and obviously um season one again this is what an episode that kind of hits home with not just me but like many young black men yeah kind of being stopped by the police and yeah i think they were kind of accused they were kind of driving a, a car to palm Springs, so the car belonged to uncle phil's law partner colin firth and they're driving the car to palm Springs because they're basically having a uh, a retreat over there and basically they get stopped and Carlton's just so naive and Will's like he's going to tell you to put your hands on the wheel and Carlton's like good evening fine sir put your hand on the wheel <laughs> and then he's like oh you should know that this is not my car but this is the car of Colin Firth and then Will's like he's going to tell you to get out of the car now and so the police was like get out of the car and so they were like oh they get taken in and so they're like, oh, why don't you talk about all these uh, car robberies? And Carlton's like, uh, personally, I think it's a matter for the police to handle. And Will's like, yeah, 
they're handling it right now. <laughs> they think it's us. And so Carlton's like, oh, well, it's definitely not me. I'm rich. I live in a, a, a mansion next door to Ronald and Nancy Reagan. We live in Bel Air. And basically the police officers think they're just talking rubbish. And in the cell, they meet this crazy guy who just basically starts singing for no apparent reason. Actually, no, because Will's like, oh, let me cheer you up. And then he's basically going, when Israel was in Egypt's hands, let my people go. And then basically the guy's just going, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, <laughs> let my people go. <laughs> Cap your hands, snap your thighs, come join the Jubilee. And he's just this nutter and he's singing. And obviously this is quite a serious topic. Again, dealing brilliantly with this very serious, but with the very funny. Yeah. So they kind of go into all of that. And then it kind of gets resolved where Uncle Phil just basically goes to the police station and they're all like not taking him seriously. And then the law partner walks in. He's like, those are not thieves. They go, he goes, that's the, the son and nephew of my partner. And they're like, partner? And they're like, yeah, legal partner. And so he was like, oh, the police officer was like, oh, you better open the damn cell. Otherwise, I'm going to put you in so much litigations that your grandchildren are going to need lawyers. <laughs> it's just one of those powerful scenes that he's just like, yeah, you better open up that damn cell. And it just, I, I love that so much. And again, it was a reality where for young black people, for no apparent reason, you could just get stopped for driving a certain car, for walking in a certain way, for wearing a certain type of clothes, or in my case, walking too fast or walking too slow, and you just get stopped by the police. Did we speak about this already? I don't <clears throat> think we have. But well, yeah, I think we was, maybe because uh, you're few saying weeks ago, and it was just like, yeah, yeah, because getting... we talk about this as if it's history, but it's not. No, right? it's happening to this day. To this day. To this day. That was in the right context as well. Yes, it was. <laughs> but no, yeah, like this, this stuff. It happens and it happens all too often. And it's like not the first time I'll get stopped by police and it probably won't be the last as statistics will suggest. Just for, just be clear, just to, uh, to be clear, you were stopped. No, because there was a, an old white lady who got robbed and basically the police were trying to stop people when they're looking for like a, a like a like a five foot black yeah, guy they're looking like a five foot black guy but then they just saw i think they just stopped listening at black yeah they're like black black yeah black, black, black. it's like a, in everybody hates chris where <laughs> the guy's explaining goes oh he was six foot five weighed about 240 pounds he had a, a scar on his face he had uh, a, a watch on his right hand he was wearing a, a diamond encrusted ring and then chris rock's like this is what the police officer heard. Black, 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 black. Oh, 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 I'm black, 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 black. Oh, black, 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 black. And instead of doing the due diligence of actually using your common sense and your brain, you should find out the facts. But as it comes with black people, common sense is not a... No, thing I'm, that we're kind of afforded a privilege that we're kind of afforded I mean we're lucky in the UK that the police aren't um, they obviously I mean we say that but they haven't had much difficulties in 
there have been like deaths and custodies in the UK. So yeah, but what what I'm saying obviously is it's not to the extent in America where they're armed with guns. And no, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. So we're lucky that the police don't have guns in this country. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, I'm sure that statistics would be a bit different because I mean the stop and search in the UK is ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's 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 a it's like a, it's a racist. Like um, the last time I checked, it was like one in ten. Yeah. But I think it's more than that now. Like what? As in one in ten? Like for every one white person that yeah. gets stopped, the black person will get stopped ten times. But it's probably even more than that. And I guarantee you that if it was you going past, the police would never have stopped you. Uh, well, they might have done. Just hello, sir. How are you? But I think Having yeah, a good maybe day? they could because yeah. I think it was one of those where they wanted to kind of cordon off the yeah. area. Which I get that they have to do, but it's kind of like no, listen, use your common all this, sense. All I'm saying is they probably wouldn't have stopped you uh, on the merits of you just being a white guy. Yeah. But they did stop you on the merits of you being a black guy. 100%. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, we, we're, we're trying to stop a black person who was walking past that matched your description. Yeah. And then once the description became apparent, it looked nothing like me. And then it was all very embarrassing for the police officers. Yeah, but that's they, what I'm saying. So like they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have yeah. stopped a white guy just for being white and then something else on the description list, but they stopped you for being black and then nothing. And yeah. And the description list being completely different. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and so Fresh Prince kind of ends with, uh, uh, Hillary's show gets moved to New York. And so she goes there Ashley moves with her to New York because she gets a, a modeling deal. And the parents, Vivian and Phil, they move to New York to be closer with the family. Carlton gets accepted to Princeton and Will decides to remain in California to finish off school. Yeah. I mean, the one of the interesting things about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was uh, obviously the change of Vivian Banks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I... obviously you had like this dark-skinned black woman who's playing the wife of a, a really upper-class family. So it's really interesting, I think, with the dynamics of the shows we did today. So we kind of had working class with good times, and then we kind of had sort of middle class with uh, family matters, and then we had sort of upper class with... Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince Bel-Air. And then obviously, I think in her kind of opinion, in her view, it was kind of like she was saying that people in America necessarily didn't like the fact that there was this dark-skinned black woman playing a role of like a prominent she's a, a teacher yeah she's uh obviously living a wealthy life living that wealthy lifestyle and obviously we see like down the line we get a, a light-skinned aunt vivian so why did they recast her was there any reason she didn't get on with will smith like uh, really they had a falling out and basically she didn't like him and he didn't like her and it was just one of those where Fair enough. And to this day, she still talks about how they don't get on and how she feels like he screwed her. <clears throat> and basically, she feels that she got taken off the show because of him. And she kind of blames him for it. And they're still sort of at loggerheads today. And then obviously, th the, the new Aunt Vivian kind of gets a little flat because obviously, she's a lot light-skinned than... Yeah the original Aunt Vivian, but if you actually look at what she's done in her life and her career, like she's, you know, gone through a lot of hardship. She got a degree in interior design and architecture from Northwestern University and was actually the first African-American woman to be homecoming queen. Really? And she married Tim Reed, who played Ray in Sister, Sister. Sister? Sister. Yeah, so that show. 
So he so they were married in real life. Yeah, so oh, they're, really? they're, they're married. I think they had a kid together. So that was a, an interesting thing about uh, that version of Aunt Vivian and Will Smith. I mean, you've got to understand that obviously Will Smith ended up being the star of that show, right? Well, yeah. And obviously um, it, that's where he went on to like bigger and better things. Yeah. And I think that you kind of got to understand which side of the, uh, you know, which side your bread's buttered. And true, if, if you're going to, you can blame him for getting you kicked off the show, but you kind of know that if, if the star of the show wants to throw a little tiz and get you kicked off the show, he probably, like, that would probably happen. Right? I'm not saying he or whoever, but I'm just saying if you upset the star of the show, you can guarantee you're probably not working on it tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I, yeah, like in, in, in that kind of sense, she was, she's still very bitter about it. She's still, every time there's interviews, she'll just make a sly comment about, all of the cast, actually, not even just Will Smith, but all of them. Like she's that's, like, that's a shame, man. Because it was quite. She was really yeah, good. Yeah, I liked her, but it was just one of those where, yeah, she didn't get on, and she didn't get on with like the biggest star of the thing. Yeah. So obviously, she felt it was like, oh, it's all about Will. It's all about Will. Everything, everything is geared towards him. And but let's face it, it was. Yeah. So whether the writers meant for that to happen or not, yeah. that's exactly. It. I yeah. mean, as far as the last episode concerned, I know you just mentioned the last episode. I thought the episode, last episode was weak, man. Like really weak. I thought as far it's just kind of like everyone's like, shall we move? No, I don't. I don't want to sell the house and this and that and the other. We're going to sell the house. Okay, fair enough. Sell the house, and then they kind of just all parted ways, and that was it. But that's how you meant to end the show, isn't it? No, but it, it kind of, what I'm saying is, like, you know, like sometimes the last episode is like, oh my God, that was so good. And it just kind of fizzled out into nothing for me. I think, I think most finales tend to do that. I think, anyway. Yeah. But no, yeah, obviously, as we were saying, Will Smith, after Fresh Prince, just went on to bigger and better things. And obviously, he still had a music career. So he had songs like Getting Jiggy With It, Miami. Yeah. Obviously, The Men in Black. Here come the Men in Black. Did you like Men in Black? Because you pulled a face when I said Men in Black. <sighs> not really. Why? I don't know. Sci-fi is not really my genre. Okay. I don't think. Oh, fair enough. Part I mean, of it. I remember when it came out, me and my mate um, at the time, we used to love it. A funny thing about Will Smith as well was he actually turned down the role of Neo in The Matrix. Really? He turned it down for Wild Wild West. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if you can put up this video on um on uh, YouTube of the the Neo of a of a Matrix a funny video of Matrix anyway um go on well you can send it to me and I'll decide if I can put it up it's funny man but what I was gonna say yeah he turned down the role of Neo yeah that I think Keanu Reeves plays yes that's correct so uh, yeah in favor of Wild Wild West which bombed I remember watching Wild Wild uh, West is a horrendous film don't even think. Of trying to defend it. No, no, I wasn't. What I was going to say is, I, I remember the trailers coming out. I really wanted to watch it, and, and the, the song. At the time, like, I loved Will Smith, basically. And the song banged like the Wild Wild West song with Drew Hill. We're going straight to the Wild Wild West. Like, it was a proper banger. But it's just like the film just fell flat on its. It was quite ass. a science science fiction kind of Wild West film, though, yeah, wasn't it? It was, it was... It's a dreadful film. Like it's you can't. It's, it's it was a horrible film, and it was and but what he goes is I don't regret it because he goes I don't think Neo was the right role for me. No. So he goes it kind of would have it's, it suited Keanu Reeves a whole lot more than it would have suited me. So for yeah. him, it's like I have no regrets, even though 
I have to say, it like, kind of I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Matrix series in general. Yeah, I me th- neither. I think they're really quite I poor it was movies. Okay. I mean, there's a couple of things that bugged me about it, but anyway. So, uh, but Neo is, is uh, sorry, uh, Keanu Reeves' Neo. I thought was actually really good. I thought yeah, he worked it's, really it's, well. It's perfect for him. Um, but there's a bit in the Matrix. I can't. Is it in the first one where sort of they put a hand inside and they start a heart up? Oh no no the first one where where he where she kisses him when he's on the floor I don't remember anything of the matrix but basically I think he gets shot up at the end of the first one and then she kisses him and now he's magically alive again I was like oh <laughs> yeah that that kind of that's a real turn off for me so I just like all right yeah so uh, bringing the fresh prince sort of talk to an end so apart from me saying it barely holds up. Is there any lasting memories or any legacy kind of thing you have of Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince will always have a special place in my heart because of what it was when I was younger. Yeah. Um, like I said, I watched it a little while ago and I got a bit bored of it. But then I watched it again just for this research. And I have to say, that I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. Maybe because I wasn't expecting to enjoy it. And yeah. I think if you come come at it like, oh, it was amazing. Oh my God, this was such a show. I'm going to reconnect with it. You're going to get disappointed, right? Yeah. But I think if you've had that disappointment, you turn it back on, then maybe it's... Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's one of those yeah. shows that's kind of the nostalgia is really good. Maybe kind of leave it there. Hillary, mm. will you <laughs> marry me? <laughs> 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 Oh, poor Hillary. Like, yeah, that was uh, Trevor who... Uh, you remember Trevor, don't you? Yeah. The news guy. And yeah, just I just thought of that right now. But yeah, for me, Fresh Prince, it's... Yeah, it barely it barely holds up. But you know what? It holds up. I think some of the, the powerful scenes, it kind of deals with so many subjects that, you know, that were very prevalent in the black community. Yeah. I think it's got it's very just, redeeming features. Yeah, of, of that, the, that 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 will always keep it going, no yeah. matter what. No matter how cringy I might think it is, there's always just going to be like clips of like whether it's Carlton telling off the pledge leader of the Phi Beta Gamma, where he's like, "Why are you basically saying I'm a sellout?" Or if they're not unusual, man. I mean, you can't not laugh at that. There you go. Yeah, that's that's great. That's 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 funny. That's. The fact that he loves Tom Jones so much. I think Tom Jones even makes an appearance. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. He was in an episode, yeah. Like I said, I've watched Fresh Prince to death. Yeah. And on that note, I think we can bring it to an end. And obviously, this will be the last episode of uh, Black History Month. Which we need to mention about the um, Ethiopian president. Oh, yeah. I mean... I I thought he was... spot on what he was saying about how United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia don't have the moral authority to talk about Islam anymore. I thought he was bang on when he said that. Absolutely spot on. I mean, you'll know more than me. All I know is he got the Nobel Peace Prize. No, but I remember just him, he he did the whole speech. Yeah. And he's basically saying that how the way that Islam has kind of been hijacked and sort of taken away by people in United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia, it's just basically, he was like, it's wrong. They're, what they're kind of doing and their version of it is wrong. And I just thought he was completely you know, I think on the money. On there's that. three cultures that I've seen it do quite well. Islam, right? Um, and one of them's a plug, but one of them's, two of them aren't. So the Malaysians, uh, 
the Indonesians mm-hmm. and the Somalis. I have to say that they're the three three cultures that I found that do Islam very well. Um, the the Indonesians and Malaysians are quite similar in how they practice it. Like quite, um, they seem to do things within a lifestyle. It's not like a yeah. Um, and the Somalis, I think, are, fine, are really great at getting the Dean in, but not um, mixing that with culture. Yeah, that's all I have to On say. On behalf about of that. Somalis, we appreciate you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah like i've thoroughly enjoyed the black history month and as i was saying we're gonna do one in february for americans so uh if you did like that obviously yesterday's capers is available wherever you get your podcast from so we've got you all covered on that on that angle i just wanted to say that the support the responses that I've been getting from a wide range of people from actually around the world has been really nice. It's been really touching. It's been really overwhelming. I'm celebrating every milestone. I'm celebrating anybody who wants to say anything nice or wants to kind of be very nice and responsive. Obviously, sometimes when I'm kind of working and doing my podcast, I like to go to a little place around where I live called Sweet. And some of the the people who work there have been really, really nice. Um, one of the guys, Mohammed, he's really, really cool. He was very supportive of the podcast. And yeah, you can follow him on Insta at underscore little mo follow him he's a businessman he's a market analyst he's only 18 years old so he's got the whole world ahead of him god willing so i think that's a really really uh really nice of him to say and you know the other people who 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 work there i don't think i know your names but honestly thank you guys for listening and i appreciate that and uh yeah, you can uh, follow Yesterday's Capers on uh, Instagram at yesterdaycapers1 and you can follow us on Twitter at yesterdaycapers and follow me on Instagram at abdullah underscore molim and you can follow me on Twitter at abdullah... What's my Twitter handle? Abdullah Molim, all one word. And yeah, we'll be going back to the regularly scheduled Yesterday's Capers where we'll be doing all sorts and... Yeah, so I think it's the Halloween episode next week, so... Uh... Stay tuned to that. And uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for, for yesterday's capers. And uh, maybe break this one up into sections because this might be a, a long one. But uh, do listen to it and uh, keep supporting and keep keep being amazing with it. And uh, Got one more thing quickly. Uh, just want to give a shout out to uh, Total Boxing Content. Uh, it's a new podcast done by Jim. I uh, just want to give a big shout out for him. We're saying well done and getting that off the ground. It's been a long time coming. Yes. Um, he listens to us, so we're going to... Absolutely. We're going to plug your deal, Jimmy. Thank you so much for all the nice things that you've written on your podcast platform and all the stuff that you've written on socials. I honestly appreciate it, mate. And uh, yeah, Total Boxing content. Get on that, guys, once you listen to it. It's going to have all the best boxing and all that good stuff. So... Uh, Thank you very much for joining me, Paul. Thank you for having me again. And uh, join us next week for another episode of Yesterday's Capers.